Welcome to the Sun, Salt, Light Teachings and Podcast, where we would love for you to know and grow in the Son, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and light of Christ everywhere you go. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Michael Petit of Calvary Chapel Divine, Texas. This radio ministry is actually a ministry sponsored by Calvary Chapel Divine. You can find out more information about the church at calvarydivine.org. Their service times are at 10 a.m. on Sunday, as well as Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. They're located at the VFW in Divine, Texas at 211 West College Avenue. Remember, you can get more teachings, the digital devotion, the podcast, and listen to the radio station, Sun, Salt, and Light, through calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. So I entitled this, Are You Struggling with the Authority of Jesus? Are you struggling with the authority of Jesus? We'll look at it in three parts. In verses 27 through 28, Jesus' authority is questioned. And verses 29 through 32, Jesus questions religious leaders. And in verses 33, Jesus receives no answer. So, do you have a problem with authority? Now, a lot of you probably are thinking, no, not me. Did you have a problem with the, the lockdowns, with the mask? Do you have a problem with the vaccine? Do you have a problem with the election? Do you have a problem with the Supreme Court ruling? Because some people are having a problem with that. We are a nation that struggles with authority. No matter what side you fall on on those discussions, we rebel. We complain. I am as guilty as the next person. I have a problem when somebody tells me my body, right? It's my body. But then a year ago was telling me what I had to do with my body. See, we, we, we have these discussions that happen, but we struggle with our president. Regardless of who I, which president it is, you struggle with his authority. You don't agree with him on everything. You struggle with your, your, your state government and your local government. But can I tell you that all of you were abiding by authority today because you probably stopped at a stop sign or stopped at a red light. But the authority that we're talking about here is the most important authority that we follow, which is Jesus Christ. See, we have a problem when, when people interfere in our lives. But let me tell you something, when it comes to spiritual matters, you want to see how how people really struggle? Deal with their personal stuff. Those are superficial. You start dealing with troubled marriages or you start dealing with troubled children, that's what Jesus wants to deal with. He's coming to interfere and make you uncomfortable. And that's what he's going to do here as we look at these scriptures. But it's ver- what I want to do is I want to give you some key scriptures that we need to look at as we, before we get started. We need to establish that Mark has not hidden his authority throughout the gospel. We're in chapter 11. Mark, at the very beginning of Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, it says, Now when John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He comes in with authority. He comes in proclaiming the kingdom of God. 
Only the king can do that. At the very beginning of his public ministry, repent and believe that the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Then we also know that he makes a, a, a public ministry with authority as he tells the fishermen to drop what they're doing and follow him in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus with authority, they left everything and followed him. The people were amazed at his teaching in Mark chapter 1, verse 22. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. When the man was demon-possessed, it was the authority of Jesus Christ. The demons even were obedient to him. In Mark chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, it says, Why have you, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. That's not the only encounter that Jesus would have with, with demons that, that were obedient, that, that fell under his authority. You can look in Mark chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, and Mark chapter 5, verse 7. We know that he was the, the Messiah and the Son of God as he, in Mark chapter 2, verse 10, as he talked about the forgiveness of sin, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. We know that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not, not for the Sabbath. He calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus has authority over the, the storm, over nature. Only divine authority can do that. Jesus controls all forces of nature in Mark chapter 4, verse 39. And see, we question His authority throughout the Gospel. We, we haven't even gotten into the miracles uh, that were done. But eventually, He asked Jesus that important question. And that hinges on the whole book of Mark in Mark chapter uh, 8, verses 29 and 30. And He asked Him and said, But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And what did Peter say? You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about it. We see his authority as he walks on water. I mean, it, it's, it's throughout the gospel. It's, it's not been hidden. And then he finally tells us, as, as he tells Peter, Peter rebukes him. Right? As he tells him, I, I'm going to be the suffering suffering servant. I'm going to die on the cross. And Peter rebukes him. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 38, he tells the crowd this, and he tells us this. And calling the crowd to him with the disciples, he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the sake of the and the gospel will save it. So Jesus has the authority, but he's also telling us, hey, you, you, you're going to pick up your cross, but you need to deny yourself. And at this point, when we get to this part of the chapter in Mark chapter 11, everything is boiling over. We're at Passover. Jesus has come in on the colt, and, and 
and then he turned over the tables in the temple. And so now we're going to see his authority questioned. They have to question his authority because large crowds are following him now in the temple. And so we look at Mark chapter 11, verse 27, and it says, And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who have gave you this authority to do them? So this huge crowd of people that is there. And they're looking at Jesus. And this is not the synagogue uh, religious leaders that had been following him before. This is the major league of religious leaders. This is the chief priest. This is the... the um, the, the scribes and the elders, these are the people that control the temple. And these people are coming to discredit him and hopefully get him stoned to death. And so they question him right off the bat about his authority. Now, first off, Jesus is not going to answer a question because he's the chief priest. That's why he had the authority to flip the tables and chase everybody out. What they don't like is they don't like the large crowds following them. They had sent people out to go challenge Jesus. But now here he is in the temple. And he's, he's very popular. And they're on his, uh, you know, they think they got the advantage here because they're, they're hey, the temple's ours. And we're going to throw some questions. You can imagine they probably sat and tried to figure this question out before they went to go talk to Jesus. Gathered up, trying to figure out how we're going to, what we're going to say. So there's been controversy in the temple, and there's been controversy throughout the temples, and, and there's very similar, uh, as we get into the next few uh, verses in, in verse, uh, chapter 12 and on, we're going to see these controversies that happen and continue to happen in the temple that, that kind of are very similar to the ones that happened before in Mark. And that's not a coincidence. See, they have somebody who says they're from God. And their responsibility as chief priest, as, as the, the elders and the scribes, are to actually to find out if they do have the authority, if they are a prophet. It's actually in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 18 through uh, 22. It says, I will raise up for, uh, for them a prophet like, uh, like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he, he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, How, many, how may we know the word of the Lord that has not spoken? When the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken and presumptuously you need not uh, be afraid of him. So throughout this time, Jesus has spoken and everything that he's spoken has come true. And, and the prophecy is standing in front of them and they're missing it. And they're missing it because they had, their hearts had already hardened to the Messiah. They're missing it because they're, they're envious 
of him. In Mark chapter 11, verse 18, 11, 18 says, And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. That's the sad part. And I believe this is where many people are at. And Jesus is right in front of them, and they're missing it. Trying to get a hold of them, and they're missing it. That's why Jesus wept when he looked at Jerusalem. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I gather your children together as hens gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. So your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You were not willing. As Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem, the clock is running out. This is what people forget. They think that there's infinite amount, amount of time that they have in this world, and they don't know if they're promised tomorrow. And the clock's running out on many people as they reject Jesus as a Savior. And yet, the thing that, that's really sad is that, that one thing that stuck out to me is you are not willing. You are not willing. You're not willing. You're not catching it. See, Jesus doesn't hate sinners. He sorrows for them. He weeps for them the way that he wept for Jerusalem. It's, it's our rebellion that destroys our lives. Think about it. It took me 39 years to figure that out. It was 39 years of rebellion to finally realize the, the, the hurricane that was behind me was all me. Hurricane Michael. That was my mess. There was no one else to blame. Couldn't blame it on God. I made those decisions. And I made a God that I liked that I could run to when I was in trouble, but it wasn't the God of the Bible. It was one that was, I made up in my head. His name was Jesus, but it wasn't anything in the Bible. I rub him like a genie. Lord, please help me. We're in trouble. I'm, I, I need to get back in the house. Wife, lock me up. That was my mess. Because I was not willing to turn. I rejected him. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin are death, is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. They missed the Messiah. And yet many are missing him today. There, there's no middle of the road for Jesus. If you flat out reject him, you reject him. If you accept him, you accept him. But if you think to yourself, um, I'm kind of, I kind of like Jesus, but I'm, I kind of like doing my thing over here too. You're what we call middle of the road. Or, or you're on the fence. 
and the devil owns the fence. If you choose not to accept or reject, the choice will be made for you when you pass, when your time's done here on earth. By that time, it's too late because you weren't willing. See, Jesus is teaching in the temple and the religious establishment come and with all the pomp and circumstance and they're trying to trap him with this one question thinking, hey, this guy is just a carpenter. He never went to school. We can get him. And you know what the sad part is? Is when we get to Mark chapter 15, verse 10, we find out the whole purpose of all this is. It says in Mark 15, 10, it says, for he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. He was envy. It was envy. He, he envied him. He, he, it's the flip side of vanity. He was proud. He was envious. He didn't like that Jesus was getting praised and getting worshipped. And, and sadly... This is where a lot of people are. It's like we're, we, we are envious of other people. Even in the ministry. Even in church. Envious. We have pastors in Houston that actually have to fly from helicopter from one part of the city to the other. So they can make service at both places. Did y'all know that? Do I want that? No. He comes, he understands. More sheep? The tend to. I would rather take a, 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 a bunch of beautiful people from Divine and Natalia and Lytle and change the world. Because it doesn't take many. It just takes some people that are obedient and that will step out in faith and be bold and, and be like we talked about without fear. To share the word of God and share the gospel. But that's what happens even in ministry is we get envious of each other. I've been in a bigger church. I am not envious. But the chief priests were envious of the crowds that were coming to listen to Jesus. Because they weren't pulling those crowds. And we see our second point here is in verse 29 through 32. Jesus questions the religious leader leaders verse 29 it says Jesus said to them I will ask you one question answer me man I would not want to hear that from Jesus right answer me right man when I read this and he didn't do it but one, he did it twice twice he says answer me he says and I will tell you by what authority I do these things was the baptism of John from heaven or from man answer me so first off Jesus is the chief priest Jesus does not answer questions he is the king the Messiah the son of God so he doesn't entertain their question but questions them he turns the tables on them and he reveals that 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 difference between worldly power of the chief priests the elders and the scribes and that's that same worldly power that, that they were under. That's what they looked to. They had Rome. 
Rome, the emperor of, of, of the area, would have put the high priest and appointed the, the cabinets. So the high priest was there because of politics, was there because of power, was there because of prestige. He didn't earn it. And then he gets to put all of his little minions under him. And that's worldly power. That's the same power that we have today. I've told you that before. It's, it's, it's the, the money and the power, the brains and the beauty that control most of the things in this world because we're so worldly. And that's what it had entered into the temple. It had become more about the politics and man's traditions than it became about God. And we have to be careful with that when it comes to the church as well. It's not about power that you seek. It's not about title that you seek. It's not about who has money and who doesn't. It's about who is going to be led by God. Who's going to not rebel against God? Who's not going to try to follow legalistic, man-made law? Who's going to submit to the authority of truth? That's what Jesus stood for. Jesus' authority is truth. That is His ultimate power. No one can, can, can speak on that but Him. So Jesus asked them the question about John the Baptist. And so let's turn to, to the book of John and go to chapter 1. Or maybe it's chapter 2. I may have messed this up here. I'm thinking about it. Let me check that because um, it's been a week. Just want to make sure because I don't want to get that wrong. Yeah, I got it. John chapter 1, verse 6 uh, through 18. I had grandkids, and I think they were typing on my, my study here because I got a little things that aren't supposed to be here, and I'm like, what's going on? So there was a man sent from God in John chapter 1, verse 6. From God, whose name was John, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light. The light is Jesus, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, talking about John, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world has made, uh, was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came, in, came to his own. And his own uh, people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of will, nor of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as uh, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, and he cried out, this was he whom I had said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he, has, he was before me. For, uh, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one ever seen God, the only God who is at their Father's side. He has made him known. And then they question John's authority, but if you go down to verse 19... 
in John chapter 1. Let's continue there. And it says, In this testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? So this goes back to, remember we talked about in Deuteronomy? They have to, as the, as the chief priests in the temple, they have to. If they find somebody that's saying, I'm from God, they're going to send somebody out to confirm or not confirm. And so that's, that's what happened here. So this is why the priests and the Levites came out. And it says, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Christ. So he tells them right off the bat, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So he goes back and he refers to them back to the prophecy of Isaiah. And they asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet, John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And so when he asked, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man, he answers, it's very direct. He tells him, answer me. And the reason why he's telling him to answer me is because John, they believed John was a prophet. The people did. And so he knows that they're not going to answer this question. But Jesus is very direct this is something you need to remember. Jesus will be very direct with you at times in Scripture. Jesus will be very direct with you when somebody is sent to share the gospel with you at times. Jesus does not come just to love you. He's got to share truth with you. And that truth hurts sometimes. Because if he has authority, which we'll show you, he does. Jesus is going to interfere, and that's why people get offended. That's why people get upset. Because they're convicted. Because they realize they're rebelling, rebelling against God. I'm not telling you to be ugly. I'm not telling you to be... But sometimes being direct... Like, do you understand that sin? That's the direct way of asking that question. Do you understand what you're doing is sin? You got to be direct at times. And Jesus was. Answer me. How many times you told your kids that? Answer me. Right? Jesus is, that's twice. And anytime you see something in Scripture, you need to pay attention to it. Jesus did not play with the religious. It is a relationship with Christ. That is so important. Like Jesus didn't have time for the religious people. He was fed up with them. At this point, the chief priests and them, they, they, their hearts had already been hardened. They were envious of him. And he says, answer me. In verse 31, and they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe? So you can imagine, Jesus, wait over there. We're going to talk over here. Right? 
And they go over in a circle and they're all throwing out ideas. Hey, what if we say this? Well, what if he, he's going to respond like this? These are all attorneys. Really. These are attorneys of the law of God. And they're looking for a way to, to get out of this question. And that debate is happening. And guess what? This is, Jesus knows what's going on in their heart. This is not the first time. Remember back in Mark when he knew in their heart. In their heart he knew. And he, he let them know. And so they're debating among each other. And the first thing they say, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? Because they should have believed him. They should have believed who John was. It was in the prophecy. This is why prophecy is so important to understand. People will say the Old Testament, ah, you don't need to study it. You need to study the whole book of the Bible. The prophecies in the Old Testament, the, Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah, of, of John, and Jesus, it's in the Bible. And these are theologians, these are religious leaders, and they missed it. It doesn't matter how smart you are in the Word of God. You can miss it. It's about the relationship and application of the Word in your life. It says in verse 32, But shall we say from men... They were afraid of the people. But they all had that John was really a prophet. They knew that John was really a prophet. The people knew. But they were more concerned about their reputation and their power than disappointing the crowd. Luke's account says it this way. In Luke chapter 20, verse 6, it says, But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death. Can't be wrong. This, this is our world today. I can't be wrong. Even though you're wrong. Can't be wrong. And we're going to find out what happens when Jesus receives no answer. Because this is the saddest, saddest words in the Bible to me. <laughs> Especially from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Verse 33 says, So they answered Jesus... We do not know. We don't know. How many kids, well, who broke the, I don't know. Wasn't me. But yet you know. How many of y'all did that as kids? I had three brothers, man. I, I had two, with three of us, it was my two older brothers, twins. And, and something would break. Mom would ask, that wasn't me. Well, who did it? I don't know. This is what's happening here. We don't know. We don't know. And you know what? They know. They actually know the answer. They know. They knew the answer. I have seen so many politicians and so many people that have been put on the spot and they know they're wrong and they will not answer. They'll make up some other thing. And it's like it's your words say this and the facts say that and they lie. They continue it on. I don't know. 
That's our culture today. We don't know. We don't know. And, and, and Jesus says to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. See, sadly, what happens here is they know. But they know if they say that it's from heaven, yeah, they could surely be stoned to death. But they would be admitting to Jesus authority. They would have to admit that, that Jesus has authority from God. Meaning that they have to make a decision of whether they believe or not. See what I'm talking about, about being on the fence? You can't be on the fence. And guess what? We don't know is not an answer. They feared man, not God. And be honest with ourselves, that's where most people are today. There's doubt or there's questions that they have and they mask them with fear. What it may cost me if I follow Christ financially or socially or relationally. What is it going to cost me? But the scripture, it confronts them. It confronts the claim. It's, it's like, who is the authority in your life? Yeah, we don't like people demanding obedience from us. Right? Yet Jesus comes crashing in. Answer me. What are you following? Who are you following? You want to save your life? You got to lose it. You want to be first? You must be last. You want to be called a servant? You must serve. See, Jesus comes in and He's the one with the big crowds and the people following Him. So does Jesus have the authority? Yes. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he gives you your command. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Here we have the carpenter, Jesus, with all authority of heaven and earth. And guess what? Jesus doesn't share his authority. You need to understand this. Jesus doesn't share his authority with Buddha or Muhammad or any other false god. It's his authority. Something we need to read in Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2. Because this is what's happening throughout the globe is we have people that, that want to be controlled by the laws of man and not be the, under the authority of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Why do the nations rage, rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed saying. And let's look, go down to verse 7 through 12. This is about Jesus. And I will declare, uh, and I will tell you of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son today, I have begotten you. 
Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and, and the ends of the earth your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Does that sound like Jesus is playing? He ain't. We went through the book of Daniel. We know that the prophecies have been fulfilled. We can see where Jesus where God raises up one, one king and one nation and he moves you on. You want to rebel? He'll move the United States right off the map. It'll be gone. You want to keep rebelling? You want to keep raging against the, the Lord? Go ahead. He's not playing. We have to remember, it says very, very simply, be wise, be warned. And yet we have people that are politicians. I'm a Christian, but they're over there marching for abortion. No, you're not. You need to remove that moniker from your name. Thou shalt not kill. It's in the Bible. God created them in the womb. It's in the Bible. And yet you rebel. And you're in a place of power. And God will remove you. And it, it's going to happen to America if we're not careful. We have to turn. It is time for us to stop rebelling against the nations. Even, even old King Nebuchadnezzar figured it out. Through his testimony in Daniel chapter 4. Verse 3, he says, How great are the signs, how mighty is his wonders, his kingdom, his everlasting kingdom, and his dominion, dominion endures from generation to generation. Do you not think that God can put somebody out in the field to start eating grass again? He can. It happened before. See, the United States have become the middle of the road Jesus. That's what we want. We want the middle of the road Jesus. We want the Jesus that is in the middle of the road with the prophets. We want the middle of the road with Buddha. We want him in the middle of the road with Muhammad. In the middle of the road with Hindus. That's where we want you, Jesus. We want you over there. Your authority is over there with them. And that's why we see stuff like Christian yoga. What is that? You're worshiping to a god during yoga. Those two things don't go together. In the United States, they want to control that. And yet Jesus has the authority of all heaven and earth. Let me tell you, that's what Christian Christianity has gotten us. They want a binary God. They want a God that accepts the LGBTQIA, LMNOP, whatever else, other letters they got that go with it. Because they keep adding. And guess what? They're going to keep adding to it. It's not going to stop. And this is going to probably hurt some feelings too. They want a woman pastor. We saw the Southern Baptist Church. Rick Warren 
You know what I don't understand, and this is something I'll, and I'll, I'll probably get in trouble for, but I don't care. The thing is, is like this. If you want to go a direction to have a woman pastor, leave your denomination and start your own thing. If you have bylaws that say, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 is very concrete. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. Very, very concrete. Now, women can teach other women. Can teach children. Right? But yet, the saddest thing is, is when a pastor, and, and God bless him, man. I don't know what he was thinking. He, he had given him a love letter that went out during the, conf- the, the conference, the convention, actually. And he goes up and he says, well, if somebody's going to be hung... I think that person should be able to be spoke to, to speak. But then he says, well, Jesus didn't speak, so I don't need to speak. And then he spoke for six minutes. And I was like, I thought you said Jesus didn't need to speak. And then he goes on into all these accomplishments. 90 of the 140 churches out of the Southern Baptist Church come from where? Saddleback. That's what we did. And then he goes on to say, we, 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 we. And at some point I'm going, in the name of the Lord, God did that, and God did that, and God did that through you. And yet this is where we're at. So he's gone against the bylaws. Pastor Al from uh, Louisville, Kentucky said, point of order. We need to look at this. Because he nominated three women pastors. This is nothing different than what the global network has done. If you want to do that, and we have distinctives, and we have bylaws, and we have authority that's been put over us, right? Then leave the denomination and go do your thing. But don't drag the denomination through it and create a split within it. Because you're not willing to submit to the authority that you agreed to submit to. See, even the church is having a problem with with rebellion. We are. And so when when we look at this, we have to understand that that Jesus is in control. And sadly, what we're seeing is that that we're seeing false teachers, even in 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 the pastors, in the pulpits, because they're pushing this progressive Christianity in the pulpits. They want to be... I, 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 man, if I can get another thousand pops on my, on my Instagram. I, I, I don't get it. If we submit to the authority of God, and God... Man, let me tell you something. When you read the Word of God, Paul did not contradict himself. At any point... Elder, deacon, overseer, all of them. Men in Scripture. In Ephesians, the pastor, herdsman, shepherd. There's no contradiction. But yet you think you have some new knowledge. And this is where we're going because we don't want to even adhere to the Word of God. See, if in America, we're in a very sketchy place right now when it comes to, to Jesus. 
Either he is the authority of heaven and on earth, or he's not. And he's the middle of the road Jesus. And you stuck him over there with the Oprah Jesus where all roads lead to heaven. And that's not my Jesus. I don't get it. In Mark chapter 2, verses 5 to 12, it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, Your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why did this man speak like that? He was blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So again, the reason why I read you that is because you understand that even though these men would not answer, the scribes, the elders, and the chief priests, God knew what was going on in their heart. He knew. And immediately Jesus perceiving in the Spirit, and they, and they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed, glorifying, glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Only Jesus is the one that can forgive sins. Muhammad can't forgive your sins. Buddha can't forgive your sins. Confucius couldn't forgive your sins. It's only Jesus. He's the only one that has that authority. Our greatest need is a Savior. A Savior. And if we say that He's our Savior... We submit to His authority. The greatest need for that man was to be healed. But yet they were questioning in their hearts. And so when Jesus hears the words, we do not know, and Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Jesus knew what was in their hearts as well. Remember in John chapter 3, verses 16, and I'm going to read because this is a verse everybody loves. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's read the rest of the verses. Let's go to 17 and 18. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Here's the verse that that people don't get. They want the for God so loved the world part, but you got to make a decision. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There's no middle of the road. So who's your authority? Have you given it all over to Christ? Because He wants it all. He doesn't want you to go, well, you got authority in this area of my life, but not this. You can have authority over my family, but not over my job. I still need to act like a worldly man at my job. That's not how it works. 
If he's your Savior, then he's your Lord. And he's your authority. And the only two things that need to come out of your mouth is, yes, Lord. We don't know, and no Lord is not an answer. If he's your Lord, then it's yes. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.